We love you. I just heard this morning, just a minute ago, somebody came and told me, Owen's here this morning. Where are you, Owen? I just saw you before. I knew you were nominated as New Zealand of the Year, but I just heard you won it. Is that correct? Wait, wait, wait. Did you win it? I can't hear you. You won Auckland. Yeah? Come on. There's a man of God, a man of faith, doing great things for Jesus. We honour you, Owen. We honour you for the sacrifice that you make in making a difference in people's lives. Awesome, man. Thank you, Jesus. I'm expecting this morning, amen? I've been praying and believing, and I, today, if you're stuck, if you feel like you're stuck, I believe that God wants to bring hope into your life again. I'm believing for deliverance that Jesus Christ would set you free this morning. Are you with me? And God's desire and His plan is this, is that you would walk in freedom in every part of your life, not just for you, but so that you could be effective for Him. And not only just for that, but also there's a generation below you, behind you, that are depending on you being free. Amen? And you might be here and say, but I don't have children. You may not have children or you may not have children yet. But I know this, that you can still influence people that are behind you. Whatever is here flows down. So whatever is in your life, if you're a parent here, whatever is in you, if you were a leader here, what is in you flows down. You've heard that saying, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. And you know, we can give our kids, they can get our great personality, they can get our great looks, they can get our great sense of humour. But you know what? The truth is, there are giants inside of us that if we don't deal with them, if we don't deal with that internal battle, you know what? Our children get it too. And the last thing, I know what it's like as a parent to feel the responsibility when you see your children, the next generation struggling with the same things you've struggled with. And so today this message is called Slaying Giants. This morning you are called to be a giant slayer. Amen? The enemy wants you to be a slave. And there's a war going on for our freedom. I'm not talking about what's happening in the world. I'm talking about what's happening in your heart. We come to church and we put on our church face, right? But the truth is, every person, and I said this to the young adults just a couple of weeks ago, every person here is fighting a battle, an unseen battle that you know nothing about. We're fighting battles of fear. Nobody else can see it. And if we were honest, some of us are fighting battles of lust and pornography and regret and condemnation and shame. And what about unforgiveness and bitterness? And you might say to me, well, you know what? I've been around church a long time. So if you've been around church a long time, tell me how you're doing when somebody speaks into your life and brings some correction. What comes up in here? You and I, we have a battle going on in here and we have a responsibility to deal with it. Amen? It's time to take back our land. It's time to take back What's yours? You were called to slay those giants. The first place our battles are won is in your heart and in your mind. God, He wants your heart today. And I'm gonna put up a scripture today. It's in Galatians 5.1. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version and it says this. Why don't you read it with me? There's power when we read the Word of God. We're gonna read together. We're not gonna read slow like at school. We're gonna read 
together, okay? And uh, if it, it's all right, if you can't, you can just look at the words if you want. It says this, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. You know, in the New King James Version, it says this, stand fast therefore in the liberty set before you and don't become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I wanna tell you something interesting about the scripture. As I looked at every version possible that I could find of the scripture, and there's one word that never changes. And it's the word again. It says, don't become entangled again. The word again, it's in every translation I could find. And this tells me that we've been set free because Jesus died on a cross for us, right? But it's possible to get trapped again. It's possible to get bound. And the things we battle internally are designed by the enemy to make you a slave to Him. Christ already won the battle. You were bought with a tremendous price. Jesus Christ didn't die in vain, He died for you. He was murdered. He was sinless, but He was crucified like a criminal for you and me so that we would be set free. So when I look at the Scripture, I know this, that it's possible to be set free, but to live bound. It's possible to be set free, but to live in bondage as a slave and not really know it. We can love God all we want, but we can still be bound as a slave. You might say, what do you mean? So when you look at, um, what about a prisoner? So a few examples. What about a prisoner who's been in prison for say 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Someone who's been there a long time, and suddenly they get set free. The only life they know is the life of being bound. And some of them reoffend on purpose. So even though they're set free, what they know is being bound and it's much safer for them. So they reoffend so they can go back to what they know, which is prison, which is captivity. What about the woman that's been in a violent or abusive relationship? Now there's a whole raft of reasons that women are in those relationships and I wanna speak really respectfully here because I only wanna look at one aspect of that. But what is it that causes her to stay? And I'm only looking at one aspect and there is a raft of them. She doesn't know, she doesn't wanna be a slave to the abuse, but she doesn't know any other way. Why do sometimes people go from one toxic relationship to another hoping it'll be different and it's like they draw it around themselves because they don't know how to live any other way. Let's bring it in a little bit closer. Rejection. I think if everybody here was honest, we've all struggled at some point in our life with rejection. But if you're here today and rejection is like a giant, this is what happens. We want so desperately to fit in but we're so accustomed to being rejected, we build rejection patterns around our lives and in our thought processes. And then when we go to, go to something new, we look to be rejected in our mind, even though we wanna be accepted. And then when we are rejected, we feel justified and we say, see, they weren't inclusive, they didn't like me. And all the time there's a pattern going on in your life. What about self-hatred? We know what God says about us. We know the truth. But sometimes it's easier to believe a lie and to stay in bondage. And then we start to hide. We have patterns of hiding. We have patterns of self-destruction. 
or we flip to the other side and we become so self-absorbed. We become so all about us, so all about image, so all about clothes, so all about selfies, so all about what we post on social media. But underneath, it's driven by self-hatred. It's driven by not accepting yourself. Today, it's time to slay our giants. Say to the person next to you, it's time to slay. I'm gonna slay my giants today. Proverbs 23, seven says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So let me ask you today, what's your self-talk like really? When no one's around, when you go to bed at night, when you're driving in the car by yourself, when you're walking by yourself and you replay situations, what goes on? You're dumb, you're useless. You can never do it right. It's not fair. You always mess up. Friend, you and I are in a war for our freedom. Jesus Christ set us free, but we need to learn how to walk free. And there's a wrestle going on right now for you to be a slave or for you to be free in Him. You know what? Wrestling's a lonely place, right? Because we come with our Christian face on, like everything's okay, but deep in here, there's a struggle and there's a wrestle going on. To walk in freedom, we need to deal with the giants in our lives. It's a new year, but make no mistake, for you and I to be effective in Him, we need to learn how to slay our personal giants within us before we can slay anything else. And I wanna give you keys today how to slay those giants. We're gonna look at a battle. We're gonna look at one of the most epic battles in the Bible in the Old Testament. You'll know the story really well. And I'm just gonna take a few points out of it, but it's found in 1 Samuel 17. We're gonna start at verse one, and it says this. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and were assembled at Sokah, which belongs to Judah. Now we're only, we're gonna stop here because we're only halfway through the first verse of the whole story, right? And there's already a problem. I don't know if you can see it, but Judah means praise. This is God's land and the enemy was subtly moving in on God's land already. So before they get to the battle, the enemy's already there and he's already taking their freedom and they didn't know it. There's an enemy in the place that praise was supposed to be. And the first thing I wanna tell you today that he will do is he will want to silence you and he will wanna take away your praise. Praise was never meant to be silent. Praise was never ever meant to be passive. Amen? Your enemy will move subtly to infiltrate your thinking and your heart to remove your freedom. And we have a problem come up in our lives and the problem gets so big in our eyes, we reduce God down and we start to become more and more silent because our eyes and our heart are fixed on the problem. And here's the scene. The Philistines are standing on one mountain and the Israelites, the Bible said, God's people are on the other. And it says they camped in the valley called Elah. The Valley of Elah, another name for it is the Valley of Giants. It's also known as the Valley of Problems. The Valley of Elah is a place where David met Goliath. It was the place of giants, a place of battles, and a place where life sometimes seemed too big for us. God was there in that valley for David. I wanna tell you today, He's here for you too. The valley is a place where battles are won and lost. It's a, Pastor Dave talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's a liminal space, which means it's a place of transition. It's neither here nor there. It's an in-between space. 
Valleys are places you and I are called to pass through. They were never places we set up camp. But the Philistines set up their camp in the valley, it says. In Psalms, it talks about the Valley of Baca, which is the Valley of Weeping and Sorrow. And it says this, when I pass through the Valley of Baca. It never says to set up camp. In Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. There's no talk of setting up camp in these places. But here's Israel, God's people, and their king, Saul, and he's stuck. He set up camp in the valley. He didn't know how to go forward. You and I are called to move forward, right? But he's lost vision and he's lost perspective and he's in fear and intimidation, have occupied the whole space. They've filled the valley. And in 1 Samuel 17, God is setting up the battle scene. But I'm telling you, it's not much different to what you and I face today. We don't face a physical battle, although I know we do at times. The battle's in our heart, the battle's in our thinking. We often can't see the things we battle, but they sit there and they, and they become evident in our lives. For example, shame. If you're struggling with shame, we can't see it, but we can see the evidence of it. Why? Your head's down, your eyes are down, your shoulders are down. We can't see that you might be battling fear but we can see it in your eyes. A person that's very fearful, their eyes will dart. Their voice will shake. We see the evidence of these things. What about bitterness and unforgiveness? We can't see the internal battle, but we see the evidence of the battle on our face, cold and hard. That's a giant. God wants to slay it today. Do you know that arthritis, many of you will know this, is actually linked to bitterness, or bitterness is linked to arthritis. In Ephesians 6.12, and I'm reading again from the Amplified Version, it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against each other. We're contending only with physical, not only with physical opponents, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. I don't know your battle. I don't know how fierce your battle is or how long you have been in your battle. Maybe you're here and you're discouraged and you say, you know what, I've tried. I've tried to break through rejection or I've tried to break through my fear or I've tried to break through my addiction. Today, it's time to get your power back. Amen. We know back to the story every day, the Bible said every day the enemy, the Philistines would send out one man, one giant. And this is the part we know, right? His name is Goliath. And I can't even imagine it. The Bible says that he was nine to 10 feet tall. That's about three meters. And he wasn't just a tall pole. He was as large as he was tall. The Bible says they estimate that just his armor coat was 40 kilos. His spear, they said, was like a javelin that rested between his shoulders. It was the size of a weaver's beam and the, the spearhead was made of iron and it was about five kilos. This man was enormous. He was a giant. And for 40 days, the number 40 means a challenge or a test. For 40 days, he would come out morning, night, and he would trash talk them. He would trash talk God, and he would trash talk the Israelites. And he would intimidate them. 
and everyone would shrink back in fear. Do you know, I looked up what Goliath means. This was quite shocking. The word Goliath means a monster who enslaves. I wonder what enslaves you today. Is it fear, discouragement, pride, rejection, unforgiveness, shame, bitterness? A slave is a person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. One is that one that is completely subservient to a dominating influence. Let's put that together. A monster who has legal right over you, who dominates you and forces you to obey. And I wanna make this note too, he only has legal right because we've given it to him because Jesus Christ set us free. But the scary thing is this, is that you and I can stay a slave till we die. We can come into church, we can love God, but if we don't deal with the giants within inside us, we will stay a slave all of that time and we have the risk of passing that on to the next generation. Pride is a monster that enslaves. Pornography is a monster that enslaves. We have to guard our kids. We've got to guard our kids more than ever because it's with a click of a button, it's everywhere. We have to guard our kids and we've got to raise a value. You know, I heard, I've heard on many occasions that just one look, even if it was accidental, even if somebody posted something or put something in front of a person, one look at pornography has hooked people into an addiction. Pornography is a monster that enslaves. So is shame. So is self-hatred. So is grief. Grief is a monster that enslaves you so that you can't live fulfilled in God. And so today, if you wanna slay a giant, the first thing you gotta do and the first thing you need to know is your giant has a name. Your giant, maybe there's more than one. Maybe you've got lots of giants. That's okay too. So we're gonna slay them. Goliath was a giant and he was part of the Philistines, but he had a name. You've got to name your giant and you've got to understand its patterns and how it works against you. That's, that's the first key today. And the Bible says in the Scripture that Goliath would come out, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but he would come out and he would say to the Israelites, he would say, give me one man to fight me. And if you kill me, you can have everything. You can have all of us, but if we win, we take all. We take your families, we take your possessions, we take your land, we take everything. Winner takes all. Your fight today, friends, your battle, your Goliath is not just about your freedom. I talked about it before. It goes much bigger than that. It's about the generations that come after us. And whether you have children or not, there is another generation coming through and we have to teach them what freedom is because we are free. Amen? And you might say, well, divorce is in my family and it's plagued our family. It's a giant that's plagued our family for generations. Maybe that's you today. It's who we are. I wanna say to you today, it may be where your past was, but you're called to slay that giant in, in your family and break the curse of divorce and choose to set a new pattern for your family, for the generations that come after you. And here's David. And he's the youngest, I'm just paraphrasing now, he's the youngest of eight boys. And the eldest three have positions in the king's army. And David's a shepherd, he's looking after his dad's sheep in the backfield. He doesn't have a major role 
He's a runner for his dad. He goes here and then he goes there. And his dad asked him to go and run some bread and some food supplies to his brothers on the front line of the battle near lines. He says, yep, I'll go. Second thing I wanna bring to you today to slay your giants is you gotta be in the right place. You gotta position yourself right. Be where God called you to be. Hold your commitments. Stay in the house. He came under his dad's authority. He did what he was told. I wanna encourage you, be open for people that love you to speak into your life. He could have said, it's already been prophesied by the prophet Samuel, I'm gonna be king dad, I ain't going to do that. I'm better than that. I'm better than doing that role. But you know what? He basically became the Uber Eats guy and he took the food down to the front line. But you know what? Because he obeyed, because he obeyed, he did what his father told him. He was in the right place at the right time for a miracle and he was the one that brought deliverance to a whole nation. Can you imagine if he'd said no? How many times have we looked at something, despised it and gone, I wanna do that. I'm better than that. Holy Spirit, we need to be positioned right. In verse 20, it says that David rose up early. The third thing, if you wanna slay your giants, you have gotta be disciplined, you and I. We, uh, I loved Apostle Mike's message last week. If you weren't here, why don't you listen to it? And he said, we, sometimes we want God to do everything for us. God, deliver me. God, set me free of rejection. God, set me free of pride or unforgiveness or God, heal me. But often God is waiting for us to get up. It said, David rose up, he got up early. Establish your relationship with God and be consistent, stick at it. I know it's holiday season and it's really good that we have a break, that we go on holiday or we stay around and we have a holiday, but don't give up on your relationship with Jesus. Thank God. Thank God He didn't take a holiday from the cross, right? Don't, it's time to be consistent. You wanna slay the giants in here, get consistent, get mature. Your giants, how many here, if you're honest, would say I've got a giant? Lots of hands, I've got giants. Your giant is your giant. It's not mine. It's not God's. I've got my own giants. Your giants are your responsibility and you've got to get up. You've got to get up and you've got to show up and you've got to stick at your relationship when it gets tough, right? We've got to stick in there because it's not always, it doesn't always feel great. We've got to learn when we're slaying giants to sometimes it feels uncomfortable, amen? If you're here and you don't know how to establish a real relationship with Jesus Christ, we can show you how to do that after the service. So David arrives at the Israelite camp and Goliath is in the middle of one of his trash talking rants about God, about the Israelites, and he's intimidating them. And the Israelites are full of fear. And I reckon David was absolutely shocked at what he was seeing. I think he was expecting to see the army of the living God standing tall, ready to in battle formation, but he didn't see that. He saw a whole army. I don't know how many thousands of people, but they were all cowering in fear. The Israelites had lost their perspective. When we get so overwhelmed, we can't see and we can't think clearly. And it's like a haze of deception comes over our life where the enemy becomes so big. That giant of rejection, that giant of pride, that giant of unforgiveness becomes so big. We can't see past it. The giant of offense, I'm right. 
it gets so big, we become deceived and we live in a haze of deception. I think that's what happened here. When you've been taunted and mocked enough, it's easy to lose your perspective. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been fighting something, shame. Maybe you've been fighting shame a really long time. Maybe there's an addiction, an addictive, unhealthy cycle in your life. And I've said this before, but you know, sometimes I think we'd sit in here and look around and think, God, if people really knew what I struggle with. And the giant stays alive because it's left in darkness. And the enemy looks huge and we feel so small. But I wanna tell you, it's not impossible with Jesus. And so David starts asking around, he starts asking some questions, what's going on? And I love this. You know what? His brother gets mad. His older brother gets really, really angry. I'm gonna read this to you. And it says this. His brother says to him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You know what? He's putting him down. He's, he's trying to intimidate him. What are you doing here? You're a few little sheep. You're insignificant. I know the presumption and the overconfidence in your heart. And then he starts accusing him. The evil in your heart. For you've just come down here to see what happens. And then David says this. What have I done now? You know what? That sounds like a sibling clash to me. Wasn't it just a harmless question? There's another vision that says, is there not a cause? You know, I believe that his brother got so angry because it exposed their intimidation and their fear. And he, his brother wanted to shut it down and keep it under wraps. Is there not a cause? You have everything today to lose by not slaying your giant. What will you tolerate today? And what will you stand for? Don't be shut down and limited by somebody else's unbelief. The Bible says, uh, and I'm just gonna read this, you don't need to put it up. But the Bible says in, in verse 32, he just kept asking. He says, no, I'm not gonna be shut down. I'm not gonna, not gonna be put down by my brother. I'm not gonna be put down by what's familiar. I'm gonna start to make a new way. And the king hears about it. And he goes to the king and he says this. Now this is, they, there's discrepancy over how old he is, but he's younger than everybody else there. He's between 14 and 22, they reckon. And he says to the king, let no man's courage fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. That's pretty bold talk for a young man, right? How did he become like that? How do you get like that? How do you get so bold? You know how? by staying in that relationship with Jesus, by staying in that place where I'm, I don't quit, I don't give up, I position myself, amen? He was confident and he was bold. It says down here, I love what he says to King Saul, he says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He doesn't give credit to the enemy. He calls him like he is. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David has true perspective. Why? Because he's in a relationship. David said, the Lord will rescue me. It wasn't about David's ability. It wasn't about David's strength. He knew who his God was. The Lord has rescued me from the poor of the lion and from the poor of the bear and He will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. That is one bold young man. He isn't pleading, he isn't hoping, he knows his God. David knew who he was, he had strong identity. 
I said before, how do you get it? You stay in relationship with Him. You wanna slay your giant? We need truth. The Word of God never ever changes. We gotta know the Word. We gotta learn how to speak it out loud. Speak it out loud to yourself. Speak it out loud into the mirror. I am not nothing. You struggle with with self-hatred. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how we speak. I'm fearfully, does it change it straight away? No, it doesn't. But the longer I stick in relationship with God and I wrap the Word of God around me and I stay in relationship with people that are on the same journey with me, I get encouraged and I start to believe again. I start to come alive again. Amen? And it says that they tried to put Saul's armour on David and David can't even stand up. He can't walk. It's too much. He said, get rid of all that stuff. I've seen so many people be one thing over here and another thing over here. We're gonna know who we are in God. I've seen so many people be one thing on social media and another thing in church. What are your conversations like at home? Are we different in church than we are at home? Are we different in our workplace than we are at home or in church? Are we different in our school? Are we different in social situations? than we are in the house of God. We've got to learn to be one, not fit somebody else's armour. If you want to slay your giants, you've got to know who you are and you've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand. This is who I am. And it's uncomfortable because I'm growing and I'm learning how to slay my giants, amen? You want to take out your giants, you've got to know who you are. It comes over time, friends. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, He surrendered His life and it looked like the weakest thing. I think the enemy was laughing. They thought that this is the game's won. We didn't even have to fight. It looked like the weakest thing, but it was the most powerful thing out. Surrender is not quitting. Quitting and surrender aren't even the same thing. Surrendering is saying, God, I can't do this on my own and I don't want to do it on my own. I need you in my life. My ability on my own thus far has got me nowhere. I need you. I need you with this giant of shame. I need you with this giant of pride. I need you with this giant of depression. I need you. I need you. Surrender is the one of the most powerful things that you could have. And the next one, if you wanna slay your giants, we need to learn how to repent. And I wanna speak this, this is not about religion. Repentance is this, it's acknowledging what the giant is and what the struggle is. It's acknowledging that I have no power over it on my own. Repentance is making a 180 degrees turn away from it. We gotta learn how to stop fellowshipping and socializing with the enemy, amen? Rejection is not your friend. It is your enemy to stop you. It's a liar and it's a thief. And even though we hate it, like I talked about the man in the prison, we've known it for so long, it's just easier to go back to that old familiar blanket that feels sorry for itself. And you know what? There may be real hurt in your life where you have been severely rejected and you need help and healing with that. Or maybe whatever bitterness or whatever your giant is, shame is a terrible thing when people shame us publicly when we get shamed at school and shamed in our families, shamed or fear. But if we go back 
to that thing, we will never get free. We've got to learn how to, how to unravel it around us in the first places that you acknowledge it. We've got to stop fellowshipping with it. We've got to hate it. We've got to hate it more than we want to be with it. Amen? Becomes an idol, becomes an idol of fear, idol of pain, idol of unforgiveness, and we bow down. And we need to learn how to break alliance with it. We've got to learn how to forgive. And there may be people here and you've been through severe trauma and I don't want to undervalue that or underestimate it. We have people here, we have courses here that you can go through to get healing from that. But you know one thing we need to do? We need to identify how it works against us. For me, when I look at a giant in my life, there are times when I take a step back and I look at the way that I relate. I look at where it turns up in my life. I look at where it functions. I look at the circumstances and the situations that I find myself in where the giant pops up. And I start to learn how the enemy is working against me. You and I have got to do this. This is part of repentance. You know what? We've got to learn how to become accountable, not just to people that'll say nice things to us. Actually, we need to learn how to align and people that we trust, people that are over us, we need to, this is something that I've done, this is something that I do. Speak into my life about the things you see that I can't see. If you ask your friend, it's not gonna work, it's not gonna happen. You need somebody that loves you enough, they will speak the truth. But also they've got enough freedom in their own life to bring you into freedom. There is no point asking somebody that's as bound as you are to help you. It's gonna be bound together. Amen? The last one, there's so many, there's so much in this story. But the last one is this, is we're gonna learn to fill the valley, the space with praise. Praise isn't passive, it's noisy. I love this. I'm gonna read this to you. And um, you can put this up on the screen. It's verse 45 through to 47. And what I want you to look at is David's David fills the valley. Before he slays Goliath, he fills the valley. Okay, he fills it with his voice and his voice carries faith and it carries praise. Look at the I statements. It's not about him, it's about God. And look at what he says about God. Now this is in front of two whole nations. There's two nations sitting there. And and then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's confidence, that's boldness. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you taunted. Now listen to this. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. Now it comes again. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give your corpses, the corpses of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. Now listen, so that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And then it comes again, and this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save by the sword or with the spear for the battle is the Lord's and He will hand you over to us. Come on. It's time to get up, church. It's time to get up and slay our giants. This is a young man, this is fighting talk. It wasn't, please God, will you save me? Please God, will you deliver me? He goes, no, I know my God. I know my God. I know my God. I know what you'll do, amen? You gotta speak to your giant, you can't bargain with it. 
praise is your weapon of war, what are you expecting? Judah means praise. But instead of praise, the Israelites allowed a trash-talking giant that enslaved them to fill the valley. What have you allowed to fill your valley? Praise is a weapon of war. It declares who He is and who the enemy is not. Whether you feel like praising is not the issue. It's knowing that when I do, that I'm giving the King the right over my life and that it has an effect in the atmosphere. You've got to speak to your giant. Today, if you're struggling in your marriage, when you speak to that giant, divorce, you won't take my marriage. Not divorce, please don't take my marriage. Divorce, you won't take my marriage. I'm willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to do the mahi in my life, in my heart, to stay in relationship, to stay in my marriage. Grief is a giant designed to rob you. The Bible says that David chose five stones for a sling. I don't know why he chose five. Perhaps that's all he could carry. But five in the Bible means grace. And we, if you've been around church a long time, we go, oh yeah, I know that. That means unmerited favour. But here's what it means. It does mean that. We get religious, church, because we think we know. But we need to stop and really think about this stuff. Grace means there's the love and mercy given to us by God, not because we deserve it, but because God just wants us to have it. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. I believe David was in a time of need and all he had was a slingshot and a pocket full of grace. Amen? And he looked insignificant in front of a giant. And you and I, we can all say, it's not enough. I can't beat this giant. It's been, I've been wrestling with this self-hatred or this fear all my life and I don't know what to do. But you and God are enough. When you surrender, when you align, when you wrap the Word of God around your life, when you name your giant and you repent and you open your life up for people who love you to speak in. The Bible says that David ran, he pursued his enemy. What are you doing today? We need to learn how to pursue, run at our enemy. Your days are numbered. Pride, your days are numbered. Bitterness, offence. David ran towards his enemy and he pursued him. What about you? We all know the outcome of the story, right? One shot and the enemy goes down, he falls down dead. But that wasn't the end of it. Do you know what David did? I love the Bible. Because the Bible doesn't leave out any of the gross details. In verse 51, it says this, that David didn't just kill him. It says that he got the enemy, he got Goliath's sword and he chopped off his head, he cuts off his head. You know why he did that? I believe some giants can come back to life. We're gonna learn how to cut the head off anger. We're gonna learn how to cut the head off pride and bitterness. And sorrow and grief, we're gonna learn how to cut its head off so that it would never live in us, so that we can be clean. We can be clean and set free, amen? It's time to get up, church. There's no plan B. You are called to slay. God's not gonna do it for you, but He will partner with you, amen? You gotta cut off His head. You know what it said? It said that David took the head and he put it on a post and he put it in his house, dripping with blood. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I wonder why he did that. It doesn't say why he did it, but I wonder. The head means authority. I wonder if it was a reminder to him. Maybe his older brother. 
I wonder whether it was a reminder. You will never take me again. You may challenge me, but I've already got your head. I have authority over you. I wonder where today have you positioned yourself? It says that, you know what's interesting is once David got victory in verse 52, it says this, the Israelites' demeanor completely changed. It says that they came up and they charged with a triumphant shout. When, when David triumph was, triumph was triumphant, they remember suddenly who they are. They come out of their days. They come out of that place of it's too hard, it's too big, it's too large for us. And they come back into their right mind and they remember who they are. And they lift up a shout and they fill the valley, Judah. They fill the land again with victory and with praise to God, amen. Praise filled the place again and strength came back into them. God wants to put strength in you today. It's time for you and I to rise. Where are you today positioned? Where are you positioned in yourself? When you look at the story, who are you in the story? Are you part of the enemy? Are you with the Israelites in fear? Are you in the Valley of Elah, neither here nor there, kind of just holding your ground? Or are you running towards your giant? God's calling you today, you and I, to make decisions that would affect not only us, but the next generation, amen. Your freedom matters today. Like I said before, you can be a Christian all your life and still be a slave to sin, a slave to fear, a slave to habitual sin cycles, unhealthy cycles. Jesus Christ wants to set you free. And right now I'd love every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and I spoke about having a relationship with Jesus and you say, you know what, I don't really know what that is. I don't really know how to have that, but I want that. Jesus Christ died for you over 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross. He became a sacrifice so that you, He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of the giants, the monsters that would enslave so that you could have a real relationship with Him. If that's you today and you say, I would like that, I'm tired of living this life. I wanna know what it is. Here's what I, I can promise you that the road is not perfect. It's not unicorns and rainbows, but it's a life with God, a life of promise, a life of healing, a life of victory, a, an eternal life where He will set you free and put you in a body of believers that are on the same journey as you. If that's you today, why don't you lift your hand? If you're here today, His hands down the back, his hands going up, if that's you today. And maybe you're here and you've been a Christian before, but you go, man, I'm not walking the way I should be walking. There's no condemnation. The only thing that would keep you in your seat is a giant, a monster of pride or shame. But if you say today, I wanna get serious again with God, there's no condemnation here. Why don't you lift your hand right now across this place. There's people here raising their hands, amen. We're so glad, we're so glad that you're responding to Jesus today. I'd love to do one more thing. I feel like there's a few more. I'm not gonna push you, church is not about that. Church is not about pressuring you. There's a real God that loves you, that wants a relationship with you, but He won't push you. But if that's you today, I'd love you to do one more thing and that's come out of your seat. If there's somebody with you, bring a friend. If you're next to somebody, why don't you ask them? Say, I'll come with you, I'll come with you. But this morning, 
If that's you, why don't you come down? I wanna meet you down the front here. If you put your hand up, come. I wanna invite you to come down the front. I wanna pray for you this morning. It's all right, I'm gonna wait. There were people that put their hands up. I pray that every monster of shame would not stop you today. Here they come. Come on, church. It takes, it takes guts. It takes guts to come down. If that's you this morning, come on down. There were more this morning. Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on down. Come on down. There's no shame in this place. There's no monster of shame that could hold you back this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, there's more this morning. Come on down, we welcome you this morning. We welcome you this morning. Come on down. So we're just gonna work out who's up here getting prayer. There's more. Yeah, come on down. Come on, church. I just wanna say this. If your heart's beating right, real fast right now and you're going, I know I'm meant to be there. Don't let a monster enslave you this morning. Come down. I want to pray for you. We want to love you this morning. People joining us this morning. We need some of our leaders up here. We're going to pray a prayer together. And whether, whether you've prayed this prayer for the first time or the hundredth time or the ten thousandth time, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that your prayer is sincere and that what matters is that your prayer is from your heart. Amen? And so we're going to pray this prayer together, the whole church. The church, we want you to pray as well. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I, I want to lead you, and I'd love you to pray this prayer after me. I'm going to tell you what we're going to pray so you don't feel hoodwinked. But we're going to pray, God, I thank you that He loves you. We're going to thank Him for dying on the cross. We're going to ask Him to forgive us for all our mistakes and to wipe the slate clean, and we're gonna ask him for a relationship with him, amen? So that's what we're gonna do. Look at all these people. Oh, Jesus, isn't he good? Come on, church. Holy, he's so good. Oh, he's so good. It's not too late. You need to get out of your seat. Come on. What say today? It says start of a revival. What say? Come on, if that's you. Anyone over here goes, man, I haven't been walking right. I need to get up here. Don't let a monster pride enslave you. Holy Spirit, we're gonna pray. So team, if we're not gonna pray, um, ministry team, I want you to pray this prayer with us as well. So we're gonna pray this prayer together, church. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. Today I ask you to forgive me for all I've done wrong in the past, all of my mistakes, in the present, and all that is to come. Jesus, I thank you that you forgive me and you wipe the slate clean and you set me free. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to become the Lord of my life, to show me what a real relationship is. And I trust you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now there's some people around you that are gonna pray for you. So we're gonna have some people praying.
Thank you, Jesus. Church, just stretch out your hands just for one more minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What we're going to do now, church, don't shut off. Because Jesus wants to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in your life. But we want to take your names this morning and uh, we need our salvation box. And so we just need a piece of, thank you, awesome. So once these people have finished being prayed for, we need to gather some names and get them some literature. But what we're going to do, we've got a space open over here. And if you're here this morning... And you go, there is a giant that has been enslaving me and pursuing me. And today is the last day. Today, I'm calling it out. I'm calling out that thing. Why don't you come forward today? You gotta get up. The Bible says, David rose up. He said, you gotta get up. You gotta get out of your seat. You gotta mean business this morning. Cause Jesus, He wants to set you free this morning. Holy Spirit. Jesus. People coming to the front this morning. We're going to need some prayer ministers over here too. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if that's you this morning, you said it's time that this thing broke off my life. It's been here long enough. We just want to make sure we get details of all our friends that have given their hearts to the Lord. But if you're here this morning, you want to respond to Jesus. Older generation, I want to speak to you. Don't sit in slumber. Don't sit in slumber. If you've got a giant, you need to be over here. If there's a giant plague in you, don't let pride, the pride of life, make you think you're exempt. We want to be free this morning. Amen. Holy Spirit, come. Come this morning. Jesus. If we can have our ministry team up, we're going to need some catches this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to do. Worship team, you need to be down here. You're released. Down if you need to. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to hold your hands up to the Lord. I want you to see your giant and I want you to name it. Nobody wants to hear your giant. It's yours. I want you to name that giant. And I want you to see God bigger than your giant. This morning, we're going to get somebody to lay hands on you. But first... You've got to stand up on the inside and say, God, I need you. I surrender to you. And I repent of fellowshipping, of socializing, of enjoying this giant. And today, this giant comes down in my life. Why don't you start to talk to the Lord and then we're going to get some people to pray for you. In Jesus' name, today we release deliverance in this house. We release it today in the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't you cry out to Him? It's not enough just to get up. You've got to shout out. You've got to fill your valley with praise this morning. If we can have the ministry team to start to pray for people this morning. In Jesus' name.
Ministry team, if you can come and pray.